Hi friends, this is Tammy Riley, your host for Living Well While Living Online, which is a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. This is episode 30, so the end of season two. Thank you for tuning in, for sticking with me. I'm super excited to have you listen in on the conversation I had with my baby cousin, Cousin B. You are going to meet Bradford King Gallagher today. Uh, He is very special to me, and I really enjoyed our conversation, and I think you'll get a kick out of him as well. Uh, He suffered from COVID, and it was quite a journey, and it's very interesting how how we find solace when we're alone and um, when we're not feeling well. And so he's going to shed some insight on meditation and how that's really helped him. So thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Welcome back, friends, to this week's episode of Living Well While Living Online. This is your host, Tammy Riley, and this is our last episode of season two. So I am super excited. Last year, I ended our season with my daughter, and so I felt it only appropriate to go back to the family, and you are meeting cousin Brad today. So Brad Gallagher, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's uh, first of all, it's been a long time coming. We've tried to do this for months. Brad (laughs) is one of the busiest humans on the planet at this point and then you're trying to align schedules and our our zoom uh not our zoom our zencaster wasn't working we've had a couple of technical difficulties but uh i appreciate your patience and and your persistence in doing I'm this. We, i'm glad we figured it out and I'm, you know, i blame the pink moon on a lot of things so <laughs> this is also i think usually i i like pre-do all of my podcast. I don't like to be last minute and I like to be done ahead of time. And so we are down to the wire. We're, we're recording this and we're about to send it to the producer to edit. So oh, this has really made me step out of my comfort zone. So thank you for that too, because I yeah, think that's nice important. Take, take the tree a little bit, right? Yeah. I gotta, you know, have a little of that rush, that little anxiety. It's, it's good for you. So <laughs> I love it. Well, it's good to be here and I'm, I'm happy that we finally figured it out. Yeah. So, um, so obviously I've known Brad my whole life and we're, uh, we're first cousins. I am, I was at the time old enough to babysit for him, but I'm not that much older than you. So now it's kind of cool when that happens. I, so I still, and uh, you know, not to dive right into story time, but now that just triggered something. So I still remember the first time that you babysat me, I'm pretty sure I remember it. Maybe, uh, maybe not the first time, but the first time I personally remember it, the Michael Jackson, uh, thriller video came oh out that night. So we just dated ourselves. Oh my gosh. Um, perfect. Um, oh so I remember that came out and it gave me such bad nightmares. And I literally like woke up that night. I don't know if you remember this, but I literally like slept walk and was like yelling and like still remember that video, like traumatizing me. Cause I was, you know, I was, I guess I was seven or eight when that came out. Wait, did you, were you and like you, screaming and I was there and I helped you? hundred percent. Like I was screaming. Oh. I'm pretty sure you called the, the rents to have them come home. You're like, I don't know what to do. The kid's like kind of walking around and screaming. He's asleep, but not. So yeah, yeah, that was. Oh a, my uh, God. I do not remember that. I remember like being like, oh, we got to watch this. Michael Jackson, he's got like this like mini movie. It's not a video and it's like going to be like 20 minutes long and it's scary and fun. We got to watch it. And I watched it, be careful what you wish for, and it jammed me up. You were pretty ahead of your time, even back then, at the age of seven, to be attuned to the the quality that Michael Jackson was delivering at that moment. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that was my first tape I bought, too. I think that was the first cassette. Uh, Now we're done. We're just. Okay. We might as well end the podcast right here. We're not even talking about CD anymore. (laughs) We're talking about cassettes and singles. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh my God. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to dive in because we have a lot to cover in a short amount of time. People don't want to hear us forever. And um, you have movers coming to do something. With a freezer. <laughs> yeah. So we, we've got to stay on task. So Brad's life, you've kind of an interesting uh, thing going on. You started your career, theater, acting, comedy, all things that realm moved into like predominant in your career opening um, what do you even call freehold like what is the it's not a restaurant it's not a bar it's not a does it have a word yeah, I, I mean we're we're a hospitality venue um, okay that just encompasses a lot of different things right um but yeah specifically i mean yeah restaurant bar communal workspace cafe um now we have amazing pizza so but it's it's very much it's very much 
reminiscent of a hotel right. uh, without the hotel rooms. That's, and we operate as such. So, you know, before COVID, um, but now in Miami, I'm actually allowed to be open till 3 a.m. So down there on a weekend when I'm open till 3 a.m., we actually are open, you know, like 18, 19 hours out of that day. So it's a little bit different than that, like that normal, you know, bar restaurant formula, you know, open up at five o'clock and then happy hour. And then, you know, you close it, you know, blah, 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 and then redo it again. But you have that whole day to reset. Like we constantly activate that space, um, which is a challenge as well. But it's also, I think it sets us apart. It just, just by you not being able to describe it some way, right. It kind of, it just makes it interesting and unique and it stands out. So. Yeah, because I was trying to think it's not one thing, it's so many things. So, which is great. So that initial one that you've been, that's your your baby where it was born in Brooklyn. So right in Brooklyn and Williamsburg, so fabulous. And I've been there. I feel like a really old lady there with the young hipsters, but it's so fabulous. That's because you're talking about cassettes the whole time. I don't know what a CD is, stop. (laughs) No one even knows that anymore. Nothing, neither of it. They're like, wait, you don't just stream it? Like it's, what do you mean you have to own something to own it? Like that doesn't even- Pay like money and then you have every song at your disposal whenever you want. No, we used to have to wait till Tuesdays and then the record would run out or the tape would run out. And you'd, you know, you'd go back to Joe's and be like, do you have it? Do you have to do it? <laughs> oh, we're just going to keep coming back to MJ. <laughs> anyway, in the middle of all the craziness that we live in right now, you opened a second freehold, which is also a little bit insane. I'm going to jump into a bunch of things right now as I throw all this out so we can kind of round out. So we're here, we're, just, we're talking about the craziness of life of owning this hospitality venue that's open a lot in in new york in freehold at the time when the pandemic hit you were in miami about to or in the middle of opening and launching your second one correct before that could open in the middle of everything you got a little sick with covid so we had that thrown into the mix you've been going back and forth healing and working and coddling the the initial but then having to be back in miami with the opening and you've opened so now you have opened another venue like i there's so many things going on period with there let's just hash out a little that before i even ask you how you've taken care of yourself through all of this yeah sure sure um yeah so i think you know when this hit i remember late February, right? Kind of when we all started hearing rumblings of this, this, this thing, right? This coronavirus that was coming around. I actually, I told my business partner, there's two of us. I said, it's probably a good idea if we split up right now, Um, meaning you stay in New York or I stay in New York or vice versa. And we chose to have me go down to Miami and just kind of run point because we were getting, as you said, very close to to being opening. We were finalizing our construction. It was a full gut rehab of a existing property that was built in the '60s, and so there's a lot, lot, lot of work to do. Um, and I know you know that that world as well. Your family's in it, so it's 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 a lot to actually get these stores open, um, and a lot of behind the scenes stuff that people really don't know about. Um, so yeah, I went down and ran point on that, and I ended up being one of the first people that I know getting, um, getting sick. So I got sick actually on St. Patty's day, March 17th. Never forget that day because I immediately just had a hard time breathing. Um, but I woke up that next day on the 18th and I was full boat fever, really couldn't breathe. Very, very affected lung wise, uh, by this, I don't know if it was the original strand or or what, but it, it brought me to my knees and I basically was down there uh, in Miami by myself with a little, my little rescue dog in a big high rise building with just really no answers because it was so new, right? Like we were, I don't know, it was just crazy time back then, right? Like you just didn't know how you got it. Like they weren't even saying wear a mask yet. You know, you didn't have to wear a mask at that point. And then it was, you know, if you touch something, you'll get COVID. If you look at someone, it just like, I felt like there was so much misinformation. and specifically, the scariest part was you really couldn't see any, you know, um, a professional. I couldn't go see a doctor. Um, I was doing teledocking and whatnot. And just the answers were, you know, they literally, these nurses were like, you know, it sounds like you're really sick. Just kind of like hang tight, take some Tylenol. And I'm like, okay, wow. I'm taking way too much Tylenol right now and drinking way too much fluid. And I just, just seemed to not be getting better. Were you scared, Brad? You were by yourself. Like... Oh. Your family isn't there. You didn't even live in Miami. Like you didn't have a network, yeah. right? Like in Brooklyn, you have your people. Like you live alone, but you have your people. 
Sure, sure. So yeah. it's you and Stevie, your little dog. And it was insane. I, you know, I remember I, I went grocery shopping and I did like a big one. And it's in a crazy, like the universe does this thing. You know, I, I went and I spent like, I never go to the grocery store and spend like $200, $250. I always go, you know, randomly kind of thing and pick up new stuff. And I just bought a bunch of like bulk stuff, you know, stuff like soup and the pasta and all that stuff. And thank God I did because it set me up for like three weeks. And then, you know, things like, you know, Instacart popped up so you could have people bring it. But I basically was just to answer your question. Yes, it was very scary. It was very, very, I think the biggest issue was that I couldn't get an answer, right? I can deal with feeling a certain way if someone can just kind of guide me on like what I need to do on, on, on how I need to like approach this and whatnot. And just, again, the lack of information, it wasn't even misinformation back then. It was just the lack of info on what this thing was and how to treat it and what to do and what not to do. Um, yeah, I, th I think that was the scariest part. Um, you know, and you know, being alone wasn't, wasn't fun. Um, but yeah, I also think that just like anything, there's a positive. So I think it was very nice to take that time to myself um, and really like internalize it. And it really made me think about a lot of different things and how special I had it and how, you know, just kind of focus on, on some of the positive things that you had in your life. Uh, and that's when I, you know, I mean, we can dive into this, but that's, you know, I started meditating. I had never really done that before. I realized that I'd done that with acting, but I, we didn't call it meditating. Right. Um, so it was very, very, you know, symmetrical to that kind of feeling. So it was cool. And it was, you know, I started reading plays more, um, diving back into that whole storyteller world, which really makes me happy. And eventually I'll go back to it. Um, but again, like, you know, the scariness was there, but also it, it flicked a switch in me, um, which was a positive one and really, really like just helped me focus on, on the things that I have and, and, um, and the things I ultimately want as well. I love that. Right. We always, I mean, it's hard to say, oh, there's always a positive of everything because grief and, and heartache, like that sucks. But if you can maybe just pull out one thing from those times, like, like you're doing, I think that that's huge. So being yeah. able to have time to yourself because your life, as we know it in hospitality, and then in particular, in your realm of hospitality, even freehold is open a lot. I mean, I know you talk about being open till 3 a.m. in Miami, but Freehold Brooklyn was in regular times opened a lot as well. So yeah. you're, and your place isn't, it's not like a nightclub where you're not doing anything in the morning. So I don't know Miami, but the front of Freehold Brooklyn is a coffee shop. So you're right. open early in the morning. So yeah. we 7 a.m. back then and we could stay open till 4 a.m. So you literally are talking about you're basically, I'm no mathematician, but I can do quick math there. That's 21 hours. So it's, you know, God bless my porters. They would come in and clean real fast because they had to, because then we were working, you know, right into that work by day. Um, yeah. So, I mean, your life was pretty busy, pretty full. There's a lot going on mm -hmm. and then full stop. Right. So even if your project in Miami on the 17th of March, we didn't really know. So I don't know if the world, if, if Miami's world was shut down then I, it's hard for me to remember who did what Yeah. your world shut down for you, wow. like full stop. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So Miami was, it was very, very much like New York city where it just in Connecticut. And I think just about anywhere where it was a full stop for everybody, but yeah, mine, yeah, mine, mine, <laughs> mine came crashing down. Um, yeah, it was very interesting to just all of a sudden have construction guys there one day and then they were gone for months basically. Um, and also, you know, us gearing up to open that place as well. That was very, that takes a lot of just emotional and mental, you know, it's very draining to do this. Preparing uh, you, for a you, show. You get correct. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like preparing for a show and then not being able to go on, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so we were there, we were very much there. So yeah, that was, I think that was, that was hard, but also, you know, there's things that hop, pop up in hospitality that you just can't control with sign offs and whatnot. So, you know, things happen in that world. But yeah, that was a, uh, it was a very, very trying year and a very, very interesting one. And it continues to be, I still, you know, I, people that uh, when 2020 was ending, it was so cute hearing people like, thank God that year's over. I'm like, guys, we still have a, another one. It's not going to be, right. not going to be completely the same thing that you remember. And it, and it hundred percent is, is yeah. not, you know, it's very, very interesting. We're going to talk about that, but before sure. we do, because I do have a question that I wrote down that I want to talk about, but sure. before we do that, 
what was it like to be, I mean, you've touched on this a little bit, but full tilt, nonstop, flying back, you're back and forth. You're, you know, in Brooklyn and you're busy. Now you're in New York. It's a different kind of busy because you're not open, but you're dealing with contractors and people and, you know, partners and deadlines. And now again, that full stop hits. And maybe as you were starting to feel a little better, because initially when you're sick, you're just trying to get through the sick. Um, But once you start to feel better, but you're not a hundred percent, now you're quarantined in Miami. Again, you don't have anybody there. Mm -hmm. Was it hard to then reacclimate to just time for yourself to be like, oh, this is me time. And this is, was it, were you bored? Was it easy? Were you like, oh my God, why have I never done this before? Like what was happening? Right, when when I actually, the full stop that we're talking about, like actually, you know, yeah. If you take the sickness out of it, yeah. right? Um, yeah, I think it was, yeah. I think that's why I started thinking about, you know, everything and, and, and it's hard to kind of look at something why it's happening, right? You're just so damn busy. And, and again, the hospitality industry is just, it's such a, um, um, it's such an interesting business. It's an amazing business, but it also, the key to the hospitality industry is, is people and people can be, um, very, very interesting to, to manage. You know, there's going to be some people that are easy and some people have to manage this way. And, um, so I think, yeah, I think there was, I don't know, maybe a little bit of a drop a shoulder moment and the tenseness went away in some way. But but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just it was a struggle. I mean, it definitely was a struggle. Um, and I, I can happily say I just got my second shot and, you know, I haven't felt this good in a long time. Wow. I feel, I feel pretty strong. And I'm also being very physical. Like even back then, if we did this probably six months ago, I'd be out of breath talking to you. Well, that's what I was going to mention that it's not only that you had COVID, but I know you had you had a bit a bad case. Mm-hmm. I remember clearly when you and I talked at one point, and this was maybe three or four months after you were diagnosed, and you were trying to get yourself on the on a bike in Miami, like an outdoors riding. And one day you'd you'd be okay a little bit, and the next day it was like couldn't even get on the bike and ride, like so winded. Oh yeah, done. I mean, it would be yeah, it was such a roller coaster, and I'm sure I, you know it's so nice. To me, the solace also came hearing that I wasn't the only one doing this stuff, going through this stuff. And I feel bad saying that, but it, it, there's, there's something, there's some solace, like I said, where you hear about a woman in Ohio that was a personal trainer and just a monster, right? And she's in a wheelchair. So like, you know, a 30-year-old woman who's in a wheelchair now. And like, she literally is like, to go to the bathroom. It's like, I have to gear myself up to roll myself to the bathroom. Like, that's how this thing hit some of us. Yeah. Um, and I never had that per se, but I would have definite moments where, you know, uh, you know, call it 40 days in and I'd start to feel okay. I'd do some push-ups. I'm pretty active and I do some push-ups. The next day I wouldn't be able to do one push-up and I potentially wouldn't even be getting, getting out of bed. Um, and I'd feel maybe even worse than I did on day three with this thing, right? Where you feel like you just got hit by a train. Um so yeah, that was the, that was honestly, that was the, the mind. Um, I don't know if I can swear on here and I won't, but it's just the mind. Okay, good. Thank you. We let, we let people swear. It's okay. Um, like you think you're, you cross the line and then all of a sudden you look up and there's still a finish line. Wait, wait, hold on one second. I thought I finished the race. Here we go. Right. Here we go. We're feeling better. Um, and it would be, you know, two steps forward, 17 back. So that was, to be honest, that was one of the hardest things is that there was just no end game or just, it just wouldn't end. And then on top of that, starting to rework again and gear up once things quote unquote opened up last summer, we reopened, you know, that took some, some uh, mental fortitude and, and a flexing of a brand to figure that out. We had to reconceptualize. Um, and I'm sure you know that from, again, your, your family, but we couldn't just open the same way that we had. So we had to really reconceptualize and, do a lot of things um, that changed our concept in some way. Um, And and that leads me exactly to the other question I had for you. So as we talk about this, and this is living well while living online, mm -hmm. you know, your life with this, it didn't force you to do everything online. Like, like many people, you know, those of us who couldn't go into work. So we're zooming all day, you know, your place is open, your business is open, you're in the trenches. However, there were so many other things that COVID impacted, as you're saying, the the reopening, the reconceptualizing. I know on on our end, just dealing with my family, and yeah. he'd be like, "It's like every week we're opening the restaurant 
like it's never been open before because yeah. the rules have changed. The game yeah. changed every week. I know. And so, the, target, the target keeps moving. Yeah. Right. And so you have this identity of Freehold Brooklyn. And in the middle of it, you're trying to create the new place that's opening, which yeah. nobody even knew what it was supposed to be because it it's open during all of this. So yeah. how, how was, describe all of that, like trying to create the identity that mm -hmm. you're not sure because every day you're still, it's different. Yeah, yeah, I, that's, the way that you framed it is exactly how it is. Like that is exactly what hospitality colleagues of mine, everybody, that is it. It was a moving target. Every week you're opening up a new venue, you're changing with, with the, you know, the laws that are changing and whatnot. So yeah, again, like, <laughs> mentally it takes a lot it's a challenge and again that was another thing like with the like you see the finish line and all of a sudden the finish line's you know a mile away um it was tough it was tough and I, I also think again the timeline i think you know the more we know about this and the more we understand how it is passed to each other um back then we didn't so it was still just like the social distancing was crazy like we would have meetings and it would be like a circle outside like like sleeting rain on us and we're having like a weekly stand-up kind of thing trying to figure out how what to do now how do we you know create some revenue and also you know a big thing for us is we consider our employees part of our family right um and when we we closed down and we i know march 16th the day before i got sick that was a tough day as well because we let go of you know all my employees uh and that was a very very that was a tough thing so to bring you know the core people back to reopen this flexed concept um, was nice, but it was also still a challenge because everybody, there is no more one position. You now are like four or five as yeah. well, um, wearing different hats. And, uh, you know, I had never done social media before. Now I've had to learn out like social media. That was a whole new thing I had to do. And, you know, managers and, you know, people that are used to, you know, managing a floor and uh, managing cost of goods and all the things that are attached to that, they're actually now cleaning the bathrooms. Like, you know, I can't afford to have porters right now. So you are, you know, you're bartending, you're serving, you're running drinks. And then by the way, we have to clean the bathrooms tonight, guys, remember? And you um, only have 15 minutes to do it because we're, we're opening again in a minute. We're opening again, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we had more because, you know, New York City, you have to close a little bit early. So we actually had some time, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was, it was interesting. And I, I can say this again, flipping to like the positive because it's a lot of negative stuff I said you know, really watching some of those core employees that are a part of our uh, brand and are coming along for this amazing ride that is Freehold or Freehold Hospitality, really, really special to watch them step up and to be able to do this and watch us all do it as a team and, you know, and understand that like, hey, next week it's Thursday, but next week, apparently, you know, the mayor's going to do this. Like we might have to do this now. Like, okay, reconcept, here we go. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it was nice. That's really, I mean, obviously when you, when you want to create a space that's more than, than just work, right? So you are trying to create a family within what you do so that people want to come to work every day and, and they're happy. And then this happens and you and I both know that a lot of people are choosing to not go back and to not work. That's the other struggle, right? It's not even, we don't have the funding to pay you. It's we can't even find people to pay, but how rewarding when your core comes back and they're willing to clean a toilet, you know what I mean? that that just says so much about your people it's amazing yeah I, I i couldn't agree more and i'm sure you guys have the same thing and anybody but you you know you guys have been around for a while um and you have your core people so it's it had to be the same kind of special moment um but yeah now it's it's so interesting with we're people will write books about this year with hospitality mm. i really think because there is a a shift happening and it's it's happening um i don't know if we can talk about that but it's very very interesting what is happening with the hospitality industry. Um, and basically the almost automation of it, you know, moving away um, from employees, because right now it's, it's specifically in Miami, it's absolute challenge to find people to work. Um, and I, I don't know if it's this generation that just doesn't want to do that kind of work anymore. Or if I, I just don't know if it's people, you know, just accepting government money and just choosing to stay home and stay safe. And I, I get that because it's still a global pandemic. But it is, again, it's a reconceptualization of your concept because you have limited staff. Yeah. So 
in some way, my brand in Miami um, is is not even completely open. I can't even completely open the concept that we put down on paper and scrutinized and screamed at each other at 3 a.m. having a couple beers like I'm right, you're right, you're wrong, I'm right, you know, all this stuff. Can't even do that yet because I have to, I'm handcuffed in some way because of staffing issues. Um, New York, a little bit, but but specifically in Florida, it's a it's very interesting. Well, and like you said, when you're opening a second thing, it's supposed to be easier in some ways, right? Because you've already you've already done it. And you're like, we have this brand. This is what we do. This is how we do it. And now you're sort of doing that. And again, you get to try some new ideas. The pizza's new, you know, a few different things. However, it's it's like you may as well have never opened anything in New York the way this has had to happen, right? Because it's starting from square one. Yeah, it's great. I think you nailed that completely. I get the analogy of like, the first child everyone scrutinizes over and make sure it doesn't fall down and all that stuff. And then you have the second one, like, where's this, where's the child? It's playing the street. The child's in the street. That's fine. It'll be okay. Um, you know, there is not that moment. Yeah. Like you, we are actively still, you know, just all over this, this second store and still trying to figure it out. Um, and it's, it, it, I'm, I think I'm an optimist. So I, I keep coming back to the fact that I, I think we will be able to, but we're, we're learning a lot about it. We're also in the process of, uh, of changing a lot of things and fixing them. Maybe something that we wouldn't have fixed prior, wouldn't have seen. We're seeing it now because we're just staring at things in such a micro way. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a challenging time. And it, again, for me, the solace comes with other colleagues and talking. We're all having the same issue. It's all the same. And talking to you and talking through Sean and Ellis and, you know, all the people in your life that do this on the daily, like it's all the same problems. This is a systemic problem. So, And you could call up somebody that you met in Ireland on your last trip at a pub and they would have the same yeah. thing. And that's what's, that's what's so mind blowing is that it's global. We're not used to these things happening yeah. to us on such a global scale. Yeah, agreed. Well, right? when, when the New York Times writes an article about it, there's something there, right? Like it's it's definitely there. And the fact yeah. that they chose to write that about, I think about two weeks ago. Um, and it's, and, and listen, you know, with every negative comes that positive. So we've flexed and we really, we really have, have done our best um, to adapt to this new workforce because people aren't going to stop wanting to go out. They want to come out. You know, I have amazing pizza at my place. Like they want the pizza. I have amazing pizza, baby. I do. Yes. We call it Brooklyn thinning crispy because we're a Brooklyn based, uh, okay. but yeah, but, but on this podcast, yes, I'm allowed to say it. Bryce, if you listen to this podcast, he's my business partner. He hates it when I bring up New Haven, but I grew up here. There's a reason. Like, this is our food. Oh, it's iconic. Iconic. So doing this pizza with the world-famous Anthony Falco pizza czar that I took on as a consultant. He just did such a great job with us. And it's – we have some sexy pizza at Freehold, and we actually have really, really uh, amazing – the same amazing pizza down in Miami now, too. So that's super fun. Well, I'm totally coming to Miami. Mashed potato pie, y'all. <laughs> I mean, can't go wrong. A little sprinkle of bacon on there. Oh, my God. Yeah. So good. Um, again, stepping back to something you said, yeah. the um, how mentally draining all of this is, right? So restaurant business is very physical, having COVID very physical. So we know we have all of that just in our daily life, being sick or working. But these times are so much more mentally draining. So what are you doing to help yourself like get through this? Like what, yeah. what's your saving grace? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think the main thing is is knowing when to take that breath and knowing when to take that knee, so to speak. You know, I think it's still learning. Or you know, when you do this, you still constantly learn how to be an owner. That never ends. I just I always say that too because my 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 schooling is really acting related, and I always love saying that like you know you're still learning. You're still learning at 81. You know, when you play Fears and uh, the Cherry Archard by Anton Chekhov, when you're 80 years old, you're still learning. You know, you think you know that role, but you don't know until you actually play it when you're at that age. So I think it's the same thing with with ownership. Like we're constantly learning, whether it's staffing stuff or new technology or any of that stuff. So I think that's that's part of it. But also knowing to be able to step back and to take that breath, like I said before, you know, I mentioned earlier that that meditation has been wonderful. And I, I wish that I had learned this decades ago. If only you listened to your cousin. No, I, I think I listened to you. I don't know if you ever really talked about meditation so much. Um, yeah, I don't know. 
but specifically, it's just a, it's just such a wonderful tool. And, and, you know, I learned it when I was sick and it was, I basically started doing it because it was connecting the, to the breath. That was the big thing. Mm -hmm. um, and like the, the deep dive that I did on it. Um, and obviously it's so much more than that. And it's, um, but it's just such a wonderful tool to use. It's crazy. I do it like daily. I'll do it when I'm around people. I can do it when I'm on a walk. I can do it, you know, obviously in the confines of your room why it's quiet, but you can, you can have these moments where all of a sudden your business partner says something and it puts you over the top and I can instead breathe a little bit and take it all in and instead give a educated contradiction to hit whatever he may say that I didn't, you know, didn't really, really enjoy. Which um, I love. I mean, thank you for saying that because it, you know, people look at meditation and say, oh, I don't have time to sit down and cross my legs and get in the mood. Like it really isn't that it's exactly all the things that you're describing. And that's why I tell people to use it because it is that tool that mm -hmm. in the moment, whatever that moment is, you're going to say something you didn't want to say. Yeah. You're having a flood of emotions that are going to be too overwhelming. You know, whatever that reaction is, yeah. that connection to your breath, that step back, creating that space. Mm -hmm. is is space is the magic right the meditation isn't the magic the space sure. that's yeah. created yeah, yeah that's then, that's a great analogy yeah right and then you see it so it's like you've taken a step back there's something in between you and whatever it is that you're exploding reacting yeah. and then you can do it in a way that maybe you feel a little more true to yourself or in a way that's more helpful to the situation and yeah just exacerbating it exactly yeah just just grounding it's a, there's a grounding that you can do and you can again like yeah instead of instead of being super reactionary you can actually process and 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 uh, mm -hmm. make a better decision so but it, you know for me it's it's been wonderful because it's reconnected with all old stuff that i used to do with you know studying the method and and doing this stuff it's all the same stuff which is wonderful and it's all stuff that i would do you know you've seen me perform in the past couple of years that's all stuff that i was doing backstage my, my crazy comedians would look at me and i'd be sitting in a chair and i'd be just doing these relaxation exercises and exploring my body and making it the most relaxed ever because i still to me bill murray god bless him he's got the greatest quote i don't know if he's the best actor but i think his quote um, you know, you do everything in your life when you're relaxed, you're better with your work, you're better with your relationships, you're better with your craft, whatever it may, may be, but whatever you need to do to relax. And I know that's a very obtuse statement, but I think that's, you know, that's worth its weight in gold and everybody should in some way explore that. No, I would agree a hundred percent. And it's so true. So many of these practices, we call them one thing and then you start doing it and you're like, oh, but I really do that with this. Or that's really this, you know, there's so many of these disciplines that overlap that we just don't see with the same lens. So I love that the second you started doing that, you're like, oh, I know how to do this. I've been doing this. I call it this and I've been trained here, but Absolutely. this is how we do it. Go. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and it was amazing going more into meditation and seeing like, it would be crazy going on these explorations of doing it and moving away from the breath and instead focusing on your body and touching different parts of your body and like just exploring how your ankle felt at that moment. I'm like, God, almighty, this is all. Wait, I have an ankle. Hold on one second. <laughs> hold on one second. This is the stuff Mickey Rourke used to do. This is great. <laughs> what this is, but it, it's wonderful. Like it was, it was, it was really, really nice. And again, that was, that was a negative that got flipped into a positive. Now I do it all the time. Like I'm, I, I'm doing this work all the time. I'm doing it in meetings. I can still like check in every now and then if I start to feel something, and I can, I can use. I can use myself to heal myself is basically, I think, simply stated. Do you think, right, as you talked about having a kind of a stop moment and, and going back to reading plays and you and I have talked, I mean, I know you're in this business now, but your heart is really in the world of, of acting and, and whatever that means in, mm -hmm. in the next form it'll have. But um, do you think that acting for you is a form of self-care? I Yeah, I would... I would say so. I, I think that I literally, it's funny we're having this talk because I, I saw a good friend of mine who's one of the best actors I know. 
we actually moved to Chicago together about mm-hmm. I remember. whatever year that was. And we went to Second City because I visited. Yeah, yeah, you came to Second City. Oh, my goodness. Oof, you saw some kids back then. You probably we saw Keegan-Michael Key back then. He's I don't know. Well, I know, but now everybody knows him from Key and Peel. But like right. he was on the stage back then. And yeah, TJ Jagodowski was probably there. You probably had Jack McBriar, who's everyone knows from 30 Rock there. All these kids, all these crazy, fun little friends of mine. I love these guys. Um, but but yeah, so I was talking to him last night and, you know, we always it always comes back to acting and he's doing something different right now. And I'm doing something different. But, our, you know, our common bond is that. And it's it was very interesting. We, we, we kind of talked about what you you asked to go back to your question, whether it's self-care. Like I can tell you this when I was acting and I was making some money doing it and paying, paying my bills with it. That was, that to me was the, the most gratifying and happiest time. That was such a freeing moment that I had worked to do this. And this was a craft that like kind of chose me. Like you don't really choose it. Like it's the Carol Burnett. Like if you have to ask somebody if you should become an actor, then you already know the answer. You shouldn't. So I I think I long story short, I think, yes, I think there is self-care there. And I think there is something quieting about that in some way when I'm doing it and and even just reading a play, reading an old play I haven't picked up in 15 years. That's wonderful to picking it up and then going halfway through and being, oh, I know I never liked this play. This is great. <laughs> Read this one. You know, but it's it's fun. It's 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 and I think again acting is just such a bigger thing. It's a it's just one big story. It's the story of life. It's the story of all of us. So I think that's ultimately what I truly enjoy about it. Because if you don't if you're not fascinated by human um, by humans and mankind, then you're not going to like, you know, telling their story in some way and being that storyteller actor. So you have to have a love of people and all of the impurities that are that. It's huge. That's huge. Oh my gosh. And there's so much of that. And it's, it's, so I, ha- I did another podcast episode with a friend of mine, Craig, who I think I've talked to you about. He lives in the city. He also is an actor. And we were, when we were along these lines, and this is why I ask you, he was saying for him, you know, like getting to play a different person, putting on that identity, living in someone else's skin, yeah. like that perspective that it gives you. And yeah. Um, the opportunity to see things differently and and how, you know, it is one of the, I'm going to say how you escape, but escape in a great way, right? So yeah. you're learning, it's education, you're, you know, you talk about walk a mile in my shoes, like that's what you're doing as an actor. People who do their craft well are really viscerally feeling this character, good and bad. Yeah, it's interesting that it's like empathy, right? Yeah. You, know, you have empathy, right? You can play somebody and realize like, yeah, you play this person that's a murderer and then you are, you're empathetic towards their situation. Wow, this drove me to do this thing, right? You know? Yeah, it's just, a, yeah, it's crazy when you put that mask on. I like how Craig or you worded that. Like you, you put this mask on of this person um, and you live in them. And when you do the work really like, you know, we were talking about Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker last night. Like that is, that is the work personified with that guy is doing and it's it's unbelievable to watch him it's actually very hard for me to watch him because i know what he's putting himself through to, to go in and do that character but wow yeah uh it's it's interesting putting that mask on and definitely you know it, 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 it yeah it expands your mind in some way and it's 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 beautiful and it's amazing and it's not for everybody it's crazy what we do we become other people that's insane what are you doing you right make, you, you convince yourself you're this person the people on the other side see it as entertainment. Yeah. Right. And they have no idea what the actor has actually gone through to do that. Yeah, you're actually doing this work. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. When I hear about Daniel Day Lewis just walking around as Lincoln, yeah. like, yeah. Okay. I mean, I get it. Yeah. He doesn't <laughs> want to leave the character. The one, you know, my big film I did, I stayed so close to my character, Hans, always. Like, I really didn't talk to anybody even with all these famous people walking around me and, you know, Hey, nice job. That was nice. See, I'm like, yeah, I was kind of answering as Hans, which was just a quiet character. So I get it. Yeah. It's you, you, yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of a, uh, it's not for everybody, but it's, it's very, very special thing. And it's a very, very, you know, it's an ancient thing too. It's, it's the, the beginning of storytelling as we know, where we are entertaining ourselves, you know? So interesting. Yeah. It's fascinating. So when you, we're quarantined by yourself in Miami and all of your family's in Connecticut and you have no, no family in Miami, no network yet. Right. Cause you're still establishing that you did have Stevie, your, your dog. So how, and I do sincerely want to talk about this because okay. animals during the time of COVID, I mean, even without COVID animals for many people have become 
the only thing that's kept them going. So how has Stevie and your relationship with Stevie helped oh, you? Oh, God, I love this question. That's great. <laughs> well, I mean, she's, I love that dog. And it's amazing. My ex and I got her, you know, I've had Stevie now three and a half years. She just turned four. So I actually got sick on her birthday. Her birthday, St. Patrick's Day. Um, it was wonderful. To answer your question very, very shortly and very, very acutely, it was a magical time. It was amazing. It was, and like animals, they know when we're sick. Yeah. Right. They a hundred percent. And Stevie would know when, when dad was having a real bad one, she knew she would climb next to me. And I'd also be feverish. I'd be like a uh, dog, get off of me. I'm hot right now. Get like Dad can't do it right now. Just go somewhere else. Cause I'm boiling right now. <laughs> it's also Miami. So it's 87 degrees today. It's friggin' hot. Get a treat. Go get a treat. <laughs> Poor thing. Um, yeah. But it was amazing. And it, it's, it, I can't imagine doing that without her i probably i'm not lying to you i probably wouldn't have been able to do it i would have broken down even more so than i did there was there was definitely some grounding i got from that little rescue pooch and i say she didn't i didn't rescue her she rescued me oh but yeah that was a that was a special little time it was it was it was amazing and again that was um yeah she was she was wonderful and i think too when you're sick and when you're really sick you know, having that thing that you have to take care of as well. Yeah. It does give you that little push. It's really easy to not crawl out of bed. And yeah. it's really easy. We can talk ourselves into making it worse, but having that responsibility of she needs a walk, she needs food in her dish. She like just yeah. those little things. Small things, yeah. I think are huge. I think they're huge. huge. Yeah. And I I yeah, I haven't thought about that. But yeah, that that just having that <laughs> you have to take care of this living person, a living thing, I should say, not person. She's um, a person to you. <laughs> she, person. she talks to me all the time. No one ever sees it. Um, <laughs> people are going to think I'm the dog guy. Yeah, he was on the last episode. He was like the dog whisperer guy. Yeah, he's insane. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, that definitely helped having having a purpose and a need. And, uh, you know, it was, yeah, I mean, it was, it, was, it was special. And it was very, very tough as well. I lived on the 33rd floor of this crazy high rise in the water. And it was... There were many days where that poor girl had to use some of her compostable wee pads that I would put down. Oh. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. It poor was, thing. We did our best. We were doing our best down there. So then besides Stevie, mm -hmm. who who is your support system when you, you know, need to mm -hmm. vent or need to be reminded to care better for yourself? Or Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, I... Obviously, I have a couple of friends that do, they do comedy with, so I'd reach out to them for a laugh here or there. And, you know, I continued to do a couple of weeks in. I would do meetings and whatnot. But again, like the COVID, the, the, by then the COVID was literally like attacking your mind. Like I would just be in a fog all day. I feel like I, I've never really done like drugs, like big, big drugs. I, it, I imagine that's what I feel like. I couldn't grab a thought, you know. Right. And, and yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was difficult, but it's. My business partner was wonderful as well. He probably checked on me the most. And obviously it was the positive was completely reconnecting with my family. We spoke multiple times a day um, where I would miss a call one week, you know, before like, you know, not talk to people for 10 days, maybe the parents or my sister, I would talk to them multiple times a day, yes. which was great. And, you know, there wasn't a lot to talk about. I just talked to you 90 minutes later, like, how you doing? And it would basically just, you know, how's it going? It's crazy right now. You know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Stevie um, moved from the couch to the chair. Stevie, yeah, Stevie, Stevie took a nap. She actually is taking another nap right now. I didn't really have furniture in that house. It was a, a work in progress. So we had a lot of like uh, picnic style camp chair stuff. Yeah, it was oh, gosh. real sad in there, Tammy. There was a TV. It was on the ground. It was just very, very sad. Um, oh, man. That is sad. No, so, yeah. and I, obviously I know your family yeah. and um, yeah, you were close to begin with, but you know, they, they wanted to be there. You know, it's so sad when someone is sick and not, you know, they live in Connecticut and you're in Brooklyn, but in Brooklyn, they could have got things to you easier. They could have got a person sure. or even themselves if they felt like they needed to. So I know there's a lot of helplessness when someone is yes. sick and in need or we feel whatever the need is, whether they're physically sick or mentally sick or grieving, whatever it is. And it's hard to not be able to get to someone when, when yeah yeah i think the quote my mom used was when i finally called her i broke down one day and i was like i can't be sick down here alone anymore 
Um, she said, do you want me to look for a flight? And this was, you know, things weren't opening up, but this was like late April kind of thing. So I was like, listen, I'm going to wear an N95 mask um, and get me on a flight. And mm -hmm. her, quote, her quote was, this is great. Cause I'd rather for you to be, you know, sick 90 miles away versus a thousand. Right. Uh, so, right. Um, yeah, that was, I'm sure it was tough for them. You know, um, there were a couple of tears on phone calls here or there. Cause it's just the, the unknowing again, going right. back to that, it was just, there's no answer. There's no answer. It's like, you know, okay, you broke your leg. Okay. Here's how we're going to fix that. Right, right. Here is how long that will take. And this is the process and how hard it's going to be. And you can gear up for that. But with this, it was like, no idea. You know? yeah, we, we like to have a manual, you know, that sure. yeah. there's some solace with that. Yeah. So, all right. My one last question. Cause I know one last question. My good. Yes. One last question. Flies. So I, I, you're such a great guy. Like, you know, I love you and I admire you and I know so much about you. Right. But are you, are you a good friend to yourself? Yeah, I think so. And I think I'm, I think I'm getting better. And I think this year has really helped me to do that. Um, and, and touching on a couple of things that I've already said, but just allowing yourself, allowing yourself moments to be with yourself, right. And allowing yourself to screw up allowing yourself to, you know, not do something the way that you should be doing and, and, and not judging in some way. I think, again, it's like meditation. I know one of the keys to meditation is everyone does it in a different way and your mind wanders and it's okay to not, you know, judge that your mind is doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. It's built to just constantly keep thinking and doing this stuff. So I think that kind of, that's very analogous of how I kind of look at myself. Like I am so imperfect. Um, and I try my best, but I, I think just allowing myself to be who I am and, and, and also giving myself accolades for when I know that I'm like doing the things that make myself happy. It's great, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so, yes, I, I would say yes to that question, but I would say it's an ongoing one. And I think very much like my acting analogy was, you know, where you're constantly keep learning it, you know, you're going to be learning it on your, you know, your deathbed at 89, you're going to, you're still learning, you're still doing it. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I think uh, it's one of the things that I've had to work on as a as a grown up, right? You don't realize it in whatever moment, whether it's an age thing or a defining moment in your life. And all of a sudden you realize like, wait, I, I, I've got to treat myself better. Like, yeah. I, I have to yeah. be my own best friend. I might be the only one that I'm ever going to be with, right? You don't right. Yeah. You know. And we have a, a tendency, as you're saying, to, you know, I've got to do this perfectly or it, it can't be this and I can't settle. And it's good to have aspirations, right, and drive. But there's another thing to also accept, like, I give myself permission to just be okay here because this yeah. is where I am. This yeah. is where I this am right, I got now. right now. This is the tool that I have right now. The tool is not as sharp as it usually is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's, that's wonderful. And if you can get to that moment, oof, that's a great moment. It's a really, really nice moment. I'm happy I'm here. <laughs> Yeah, Brad, we've come a long way from being in our gay gays living room with our wooden spoons and our balloon playing games. And oh, my God. I love it. We've come a long way since the creepy video in 1983 that debuted. My goodness. Sometimes <laughs> a ghost coming out. And I don't even remember that story, which is what's so you're, funny. You're going to have to ask. I, I want to. So I want to confirm tonight later. I'm having um, a socially distant dinner with my family here. And okay. Uh, we're all vaxxed, but we're still doing the work. Keep doing the work. Okay. We're going to wear the mask. Yeah, you bring that up. You get some verification on some more of the details for me. I'm going to bring that up, but I'm pretty sure they had to come home early from whatever, <laughs> you know, gala they were at. <laughs> uh, the child is screaming with its eyes open, but it's kind of asleep. Get here fast. Put down your white wine spritzers and someone get here fast. And he's, he's only wearing one glove. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> wearing one glove. Where do you find that? Oh my God. So funny. I really, really appreciate you spending time, Brad. I know you're really busy and in the middle of this, which we didn't even talk about his parents have lived in their home for God, Brad, I don't even know how many years. And you're, you're here in Connecticut, which is the funny thing that we're doing this in Connecticut. Yeah, We're like, we're like nine miles away from <laughs> and you're moving them. They're moving out of this house yeah. that you pretty much grew up in. I know there was the, uh, the other house, but, um, but the yeah. one thing you can say is uh, I can leave all your guests with this. If they need a lamp, they have plenty of lamps. <laughs> what we're seeing is that for some reason, God bless, but my parents collected a lot of lamps. So if anybody needs some illumination, 
Well, I'm, I'm going to put how to reach you and they can just Google you and uh, send you send you a little line if they, perfect, if they need perfect. to gather a lamp for whatever they have going on. Oh, my Lord. We got plenty. <laughs> well, thank you again. And um, yeah, I just appreciate your time and all that you shared with, with the guests. And thank you for closing out season two with me. It's yeah, fun to do it with, uh, with you know, something that's familiar and comfortable. And Yeah, I love that. It was wonderful. And you were, you were a great host. So thank you for having me. I appreciate it. my deepest gratitude. I know you are a busy human right now and there is a lot going on and I so appreciate you sitting down and having this conversation with me so that we can share all of this and you with with all of the listeners really and truly. And listeners, thank you. This was our 30th episode, the end of season two. I am so grateful for each and every one of you. Giant hugs. I really have had such an incredible experience these last two seasons or this past year trying to navigate a podcast and figure all of this out and sharing this topic of of self-care, which to me is so important. It is my my hope that within all of this, um, each guest allows you to broaden your lens of what self-care can be and that you really start to expand how you are caring for yourself. Maybe it's even just a reframe, things that we do on a daily basis that we don't pay attention to. And maybe now you're just looking at them as these very genuine and beautiful pure acts of self-care and self-love. So thank you to each and every one of my guests this season. I really have appreciated your time, your energy, and your authenticity. It's truly, truly been such an incredible experience. And while we're on the thank you and the gratitude, my gosh, the team, David DeRoche, who is the executive producer, thank you for taking a chance on the podcast and and letting me play in this game and learn it. Um, And to Michael Bachman, the producer, I am so grateful for you. Uh, He is graduating in just a few weeks. He is a graduate student at Quinnipiac. He willingly joined on to this to be the producer, had no clue what he was getting himself into. And I hope that it was just as enriching for him as it was for each and every guest. And Michael, you were such a pleasure to work with. Whoever scoops you up and employs you is very lucky to have you. So I am sending out lots and lots of luck and success your way. And Heather Popovics, who's worked on the social media, also a graduating senior of Quinnipiac University. Thank you. I really appreciate all the time and attention that you have put in to make this podcast a success. And I'm wishing you all the best. And thank you to Scott Holmes for the theme music. So to learn more about our podcasts, you can visit qu.edu slash podcast. And you can listen to all of our podcasts on the platform or the app of your choice. You can also check us out on Twitter or Instagram at QU Podcasts. And we are more than happy to get a note from you. So feel free to send us an email at QUPodcasts at QU.edu. So we're taking a pause. We'll be back in the fall. Who knows what's coming our way. But until then, my friends, please be intentional, breathe deep, and learn to be your own best friend.